Welcome to It Is Better To Know Podcast with Anne, Cecilia, and Valerie, a podcast where we break down the most complicated health topics and make them easier for you to understand. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of It Is Better to Know with Anne. And this is Cecilia. And I'm Valerie. Welcome, everybody. We're very excited to introduce Valerie as our new co-host. Welcome aboard, Valerie. With all three of us working together, we hope to not only make health topics easy for you to understand, but also turn it into more of a conversation that you could relate to. I'm so honored to be part of this podcast and working with you wonderful ladies. I'm excited to be part of the show. We are going to put in full effort to provide you, our beautiful and curious friends, with the reliable health education you need to navigate the jungle of information binds all over the media and the internet. I'm so really happy this is actually happening, Valerie. So I'm just going to come out and say it. It has been a while since our last episode. Yeah, it has actually been a long week, actually. A long week? That doesn't sound good. Did anything happen? Well, I'd like to say I would love to invest in gold at this moment. Do you guys invest in stock? Investing in individual stocks? No, not at the moment. I don't even have money to invest <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe it's best if you guys don't. I'm actually getting really anxious looking at my stock portfolio right now, actually. Oh, no. I hope you diversify your portfolio. You know what they say, you can't time the market. Well, let's just say if I could go back, I think I would rather just hold on to my cash. I've been told over and over again, be more afraid of losing money than you are about making money. Yeah, but it's the stock market, right? You don't lose unless you sell. I guess that's part of the game. What goes up must come down. But when it's at the bottom, though, the only direction it can go is up. At least that's what I keep telling myself. And again, the thing about the market is you don't know when it is at the bottom. Yeah, I know. So try to invest carefully, everyone. Yeah, but there's one thing that always goes up and never comes down. Do you want to know what it is? Oh, I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to hear this. <laughs> well, it's our age. Sadly, we can only get older. <laughs> Definitely not something I want to hear. Well, how about a story? Many, many years ago, at a business function, I met this gentleman. He was probably in his mid-30s or mid, probably mid-30s, I'm guessing, at the time. This was several years ago before I was even 25 years old. And I just remember always feeling when I was in my 20s that I'm always old. So I told him, I feel old at age 25 or whatever age I was at that time. And in response to this, he skirted around his true age, but then he confidently told me, it's as the saying goes, you're as young as a woman you feel. I have no idea to this day why an older man would say that to a younger me. I didn't have much in the way of expression beyond a genuinely puzzled look. It was mentioned casually, casually later on that he was about to propose to his girlfriend. And then the gear started turning slowly in my brain that perhaps he meant that the age of the woman with whom he was with is actually a fair bit younger than him. Mm. And from that, yeah, I 
got the gist that he feels young at heart because he was in love with someone who makes him feel young. But you know, it doesn't mean that they have to actually be young. I think it's more important to feel young. And in retrospect, why can't you just say you're only as young as you feel? Exactly. A woman should never reveal her true age, right? Plus, they say when it comes to love, age ain't nothing but a number. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, anyways, let's get to today's topic then. In our last two podcasts, we focus on what's prevalent in our society today with the pandemic. Today, unfortunately, we're sticking with the same theme since the pandemic doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. Well, didn't you hear? Trump said that it's going to be a vaccine by November. Didn't he also say that every American will get a coronavirus vaccine by April? What? That makes no sense. Well, whatever he said, that's probably another exaggeration I will have to add to his list. (laughs) Well, in the meantime, I guess we will have to adapt to a new way of living in a a pandemic, I guess. Yeah, I know there's still a lot of people who are not able to find a job and live in fear of not being able to pay the rent. I can imagine the stress of having to live paycheck to paycheck. Financial hardship is real, but at least the government is announcing three new benefits to replace the serve. And I know Ontario enforced a temporary ban on evicting tenants from March up until the end of August, I think Mm -hmm. it was. And I think this was the right and humane thing to do since mortgage deferrals were allowed. Uh, But now that this has been lifted, the landlords are now mobilizing. Oh, On the other end of the spectrum, a lot of small businesses are hugely affected by this as well. It's really a double-edged sword. You're exactly right about that. They had to close down because it was deemed a non-essential business. Therefore, no money being made. And then when you can reopen, the public doesn't still yet have full confidence to even go back to these stores. So no revenue, no rent. Even when the small business owners ask for some clemency, sounds like a lot of commercial landlords said no. But business is business at the end of the day. It's really sad to see a lot of these small businesses that have been around for such a long time close shop, though. Yeah, that's so true. I'm actually noticing so many for lease signs nowadays as well. Mm-hmm. Not to mention people trying to find a romantic partner. Imagine being single and trying to meet someone. How do you meet anyone naturally when everyone is wearing a mask and everyone has to keep two meters apart? COVID is making dating very difficult. I would say. I'm just glad I'm not in that market anymore. But I guess that's why a lot of people are turning to online dating. But then when you go on your first date, like, do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Should you hug or shake hands? Like, and don't get me started on who should pay the bill. But that's another topic for another time, I guess. I don't think it's even possible to remain socially distant on a first date. And to be honest, touch and proximity are going to happen eventually. (laughs) If two people like each other, All that epinephrine, dopamine, serotonin being released. (laughs) Sure, they'll be inching closer together like magnets. And some of the headlines that I see on the media about health minister's advice on dating during COVID-19 is funny, though. Wear a mask when having sex. Mm -hmm. Or go for the backside instead of the front. (laughs) Use of glory holes, which I've never even heard about in my life until now. And listeners, if you don't know what this is, we're not going to tell you what that is. Please just, you know... Do your due diligence. You can look it up if you're interested. The health minister actually said all this? Oh my gosh. 
I have so many questions. I actually, I don't know. I wouldn't advise our listeners to Google glory holes, but, you know, proceed with caution. At but, least not at work. Yes. Yes. Definitely <laughs> not at work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people are starting to worry so much now that they may even develop anxiety. Yeah, I can imagine. COVID shoe brings on many potential triggers for anxiety. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is infect other people or bring it home to my elderly parents. And unless you perpetually stay at home, you don't even have to have a large social circle. Simply by living, you have to leave the house for work, grocery shopping, gas, going outside for walks. It's unavoidable to come across other people's path. Well, that's why a lot of people are so afraid to leave the house. I mean, I'm not, but I can see why some people might be, though. Mm-hmm. All these unknowns. It's hard to adapt to living a somewhat new normal life without knowing when and if we can ever go back to living as before. Well, I've got to say the lack of having any decent social interactions really gets me. I can't even podcast with you guys live or see other friends or my sister as much as I'm used to. And although it is still possible to see everyone over Zoom, it's just not the same, you know, as having that heart-to-heart conversation with another person in person. You know what I mean? I definitely agree with that. There's something to be said about actual human interaction and socialization. I mean, I'm an introvert myself, but I must say that I'm really glad that I got to keep going to work during the pandemic and be able to see people and have an aspect of social interaction. But despite that, I must say that I'm still a victim of corona anxiety. Corona anxiety. So COVID sure has a powerful way to make any anxiety worse. To be honest, with everything that's going on, I wasn't surprised that I read that anxiety disorders are the most common mental health disorder. About one out of four people will have suffered from anxiety disorder in their lifetime. That's true. I am seeing more prescriptions for anxiety since COVID than previous year. But what are your thoughts on why anxiety is so common now? Well, it could be due to a number of reasons. Maybe the decrease in the stigma surrounding mental health. Are people's lifestyle changes like lack of sleeping or poor diets? Most people are constantly on their phone, constantly reading comments on social media and seeing what their peers are up to. And especially now with a traumatic event like a pandemic, it makes anyone prone to anxiety. True. Well, that's another reason why I try to stay off social media. I mean, I spent hours going through Instagram in the past and at the end of it all, like all it does is make me feel terrible in my life and destroy like my self-esteem. So there's simply no need to know everything about everyone. Roosevelt once said, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Have you guys heard that? No, I love that quote. That's really good. Yeah, it just messes with your head. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as you don't get anxious over it, because according to the World Health Organization, about 260 million people are diagnosed with anxiety worldwide. This goes to show that we are living in an age of anxiety. So what exactly is anxiety? I heard some people describe it as a disconnect between the mind and the body. You feel that your heart is racing and the butterflies are in your stomach. I'm sure everyone listening has a general idea of what it means to feel anxious, but what do you think it really means? Well, basically, anxiety is made up of three parts, your thoughts, your physical feelings, and your actions. When you're feeling anxious, you have an inner voice, a voice of concern, a fearful thought in your mind that something bad is going to happen. Now, keep in mind, though, your anxiety, like your mind is always saying something to you. 
like it's like a passive process that you have no control over whatsoever. Then you have that physical feelings of anxiety in your body and this uncomfortable and even painful feelings vary from person to person. You may feel hot, sweaty and shaky, your heart beating faster, pain in your chest. You just might feel lightheaded. You cannot even breathe sometimes. And you may even have an upset stomach. So just like your thoughts, you have no way to control your physical feelings either. And this is just part of your outer, your body's autonomic fight-or-flight response. But your action, though, your behavior, and that you do have control over. Well, speaking of your mind, it's like when someone tells you not to look at the elephant in the room. And what do you do? Well, you obviously now have to look at the elephant in the room. Wait, let's try to break this down with an example. So let's say I have been invited to a wedding and I have all these anxious thoughts and all these physical feelings associated with it due to COVID. It's up to ultimately me, my action, as I do have control whether or not to go to that wedding. Is that correct? That's a perfect example of what I just said, actually. Um, anxiety is not always a medical condition. It is normal for you to be anxious when you feel threatened, when you're under pressure, or when you're feeling facing a hot situation. Like in this case, like whether or not you should attend a friend's wedding. For the most part, feelings of anxiety are not only normal, but actually necessary for survival. Your worry is just your brain telling you that life is not always flowers and rainbows. Life doesn't always go exactly as you want every single day. Yes, it's important to understand who we are and how we are wired. You and I, we are sensitive souls and dealing with stress is a natural part of our human experience. Mm-hmm. Many topics can cause us and a lot of people anxiety, such as health, money or family problems, changes at work, school or relationships. We're human, and it's within us to feel anxious and worry. I agree. It is perfectly normal to feel fearful and nervous about what's to come. Apparently, did you guys know that the brain spends at least 40% of the time thinking about the future? That's a lot of energy thinking about something that hasn't even happened yet. Occasional anxiety isn't necessarily a bad thing. It can help us stay alert and focused, can force us to take action, can even motivate us to work harder and do a better job. I agree. Sometimes I think I produce my best work when I'm under some sort of pressure and anxiety. Oh, so it's a good thing that we woke on this podcast last minute then. <laughs> yes. No, but seriously, this topic took us a while to put together, though. So we discussed that everyone has the occasional bouts of anxiety. So when do you guys think anxiety starts to become a problem? Well, there is a difference between anxiety and anxiety disorder. The American Psychological Association describes a person with an anxiety disorder as having recurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. Once anxiety reaches the stage of a disorder, it can interfere with daily function. Now it's no longer a normal anxiety, but may be considered an anxiety disorder. The duration or severity of an anxious feeling can sometimes be out of proportion to original trigger or stressor. Physical symptoms, such as increased blood pressure and nausea, may also develop. Those responses move beyond anxiety into an anxiety disorder. In other words, the occasional worries are normal because those feelings come and go. It does not interfere with your everyday life. Once the event is over, the feeling of anxiety tends to disappear. 
Anxiety disorders are worries that don't necessarily go away. It affects your work and social life. So we are talking about when anxiety is more than just the occasional stress or fear, uh, when anxiety does not leave, when it's constant or overwhelming, when worries and fears interfere with your relationships and distract you from your day-to-day activities, your work, your school, that's when anxiety becomes a problem. That's exactly right. Worries build up slowly and worsen over time. If your feelings are so extreme that it affects your thoughts and actions negatively, and it stops you from doing things you enjoy, that's anxiety disorder. Basically, when you are stuck in the thought and feeling and incapable of taking any action, that is when your anxiety is no longer normal. Okay, so we talk a lot about anxiety and how it is so common, but we haven't covered what is the cause of anxiety disorders. Well, no one knows for sure the exact cause. All they know is that anxiety can be from both genetic and environmental factors. How anxious you feel could also be down to the genes that you inherit. Researchers believe that the areas of the brain responsible for controlling fear may be impacted. Well, if anxiety is being linked to genetics, people are probably thinking, am I doomed to be anxious with my genes? Actually, that's a good point. Having blood relatives with an anxiety disorder can put you more at risk. Anxiety disorders can run in families. However, having a parent, sibling, or a close relative experience anxiety doesn't mean that you will experience anxiety necessarily. Anxiety is not just your genes alone, but a number of other factors can play a role. Life experiences such as traumatic events appear to trigger anxiety disorders in people who are already prone to anxiety. For example, children and adults who endured abuse or trauma or witnessed traumatic events are at higher risk of developing an anxiety disorder at some point in their lives. People with certain personality types are more prone to anxiety disorders than others are, as well as one's physical health. Speaking of personality types, I've also read that certain personality traits are more prone than others. Children and adults alike are more prone to develop anxiety, especially if they are perfectionist, easily flustered, timid, lack self-esteem, or just want to control everything. Not to mention that recreational drugs, medications, poison, and alcohol can also bring about anxiety disorder. Certain medical conditions such as thyroid and vitamin B12 deficiency are frequently associated with anxiety symptoms. What do you mean by poison? Well, some poisons can cause neurological changes. One example is mercury poisoning. Symptoms of mercury poisoning may include nervousness or anxiety, irritability or mood changes, numbness or memory loss. Low blood sugar can also mimic symptoms of anxiety disorder and heart disease such as abnormal heart rhythm. Parkinson's disease and lung disease can also produce symptoms of panic disorders, which we will definitely expand momentarily. Now, my mind is running. All I'm thinking is whether it sounds like anyone can be affected by anxiety. Well, one of the things that I found when researching for this episode is that mental illness affects people of all ages, education, income levels, and cultures. Even if you don't have anxiety disorder, everyone is indirectly affected at some point through a family member, friend, or colleague. Well, that's interesting. Were you able to find out whether a certain age, gender, or group of people are more prone? 
actually, we are the perfect demographic to be most prone to anxiety. It's more common in females, and generalized anxiety disorder usually occurs between 25 and 50 years of age. In addition,、mm-hmm. people who have a low level of education, people who lack one or both parents, and people with physical illnesses like heart diseases or diabetes have higher risks of developing anxiety disorders. Now let's get into the core of discussing the common types of anxiety disorder.、Uh, we have generalized anxiety disorder, also known as GAD, GAD, specific phobia, social anxiety disorder, also known as SAD, SAD, agoraphobia, and panic disorder. Yes, let's quickly review. The first type I want to discuss is generalized anxiety disorder, or GAD. This is persistent excessive anxiety and worry about activities or events, even ordinary routine issues. The worry is out of proportion to actual circumstances. It is difficult to control and affects how you feel physically. It often occurs along with other anxiety disorders or depression. You may have a generalized anxiety where you have excessive worries about a number of everyday problems. Usually, these feelings last for longer than six months. And it's important to remember that it is normal to worry more when there is a lot of stress in your life, or if you are experiencing some significant changes or difficulties. That's true. Remember, it is not GAD. If you notice yourself only worrying when you are experiencing major stresses in your life, although people with GAD will worry more at those times, they still worry even when everything is going okay. Next, we have the general definition of phobias. These are unrealistic or exaggerated fears of a specific object, activity, or situation that, in reality, presents little to no danger. Common phobias include fear of animals such as snakes and spiders, fear of flying, and fear of heights. In case of severe phobias, you might go to extreme lengths to avoid the object you fear. Unfortunately, avoidance only strengthens the phobia. Going back to that, phobia as an anxiety disorder involves unrealistic or exaggerated fears. It's normal to be fearful of certain things, like having a fear of spiders. But people who actually have a spider phobia will spend much of their time worrying about spiders and will plan their activities to avoid any places that might put them at risk of coming across a spider. Okay, so. We'll talk about the three different phobias now. Then we got specific phobias, social phobia, also known as social anxiety disorder or SAD, and agoraphobia. First, let's talk about specific phobias. Specific phobias are experienced when you're exposed to a specific object or situation and a desire to avoid it.、Uh, for example, an irrational fear of a specific object like needle, blood, bird, etc. Exactly. The next type of phobia we'll discuss is social phobia, also known as social anxiety disorder. This is actually the most common type of phobia. It can be thought of as, of as extreme shyness. In severe cases, social situations are avoided altogether. Performance anxiety, or better known as stage fright, is the most common type of social phobia. People with this experience high levels of anxiety and have extreme fear of. And avoid social situations due to feelings of embarrassment, self-consciousness, and concern about being judged or viewed negatively by others. So essentially,、um, social anxiety disorder is the fear of being judged by others.、Um, lastly, we have agoraphobia.、Um, it is a rare anxiety disorder. 
is to mean fear being places or situations because you think you feel trapped and not to not be able to escape and not be able to get help. You're likely to avoid public places such as shopping malls or confined spaces such as um, an airplane or anywhere where you can't escape. Um, this is not claustrophobia, though, the fear of being in a cramped space. Agoraphobia is a fear of not being able to escape. It is bad enough that you might even be afraid to leave your house for some people. So people with agoraphobia usually feel better in the company of a trusted companion, which is not the case with social anxiety disorder. That actually reminds me of a story that my younger sister once told me about cases where people live in their bathroom literally for years. And one lady was sitting on the toilet the entire time. I do not know how she did this, but apparently sometimes the uh, significant other would slip food um, through the door and things. When she finally sought help, paramedics discovered her skin had grown onto the toilet seat. Ew, poor lady. Agoraphobia can provoke panic attacks in some people, and this brings us to another type of anxiety disorder known as panic disorder. This involves repeated, unexpected panic attacks, as well as fear of experiencing another episode. You may have feelings of impending doom, shortness of breath, chest pain, or rapid fluttering or pounding heart. These panic attacks may lead to worrying about them happening again, or voting situations in which they've occurred. Now, it is not is also not uncommon to have more than one anxiety disorder. Uh, we also know that there are varying degrees of anxiety, and some of the physical feelings that worrying can lead to can be mild, moderate, or severe. And it also may vary from person to person, actually. That's right. For example, one person might suffer from intense anxiety attacks that strike without warning, while another person might get panic-stricken at the thought of mingling at a party. Someone else might struggle with a disabling fear of driving or uncontrollable intrusive thoughts. Yet another person may live in a constant state of tension, worrying about anything and everything. But despite their different forms, all anxiety disorders elicit an intense fear or worry out of proportion to the situation at hand. I find that all of the phobias are usually based on Greek or Latin names. When a clinician identifies a new phobia for which there is no name, they create names. There is no official list of phobias beyond what's listed in the DSM. Some phobias are so specific. For example, Venusstrophobia, fear of beautiful women. Octophobia, fear of the figure eight. Genophobia, fear of knees. I have a question. Do either of you have phobias? Uh, Cecilia? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of like spiders or mosquitoes, but I wouldn't say that, you know, like I have a specific phobia of them. What about you, Anne? For some reason, I think I have like an extreme fear of heights. Ah, um, that's a that's common a very one. normal one. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, you gotta have it too. I uh, would sometime. say I have it. I mean, I think this is expected anxiety because you feel like your life is in danger. So I do feel that pounding heart mm-hmm. sensation and like your your stomach is coming up to your your mouth or vice versa. Mm-hmm. We should take you to the CN Tower one day in Calgary or <laughs> yeah. to uh, Toronto and uh, make you do the walk. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I've been. <laughs> that was such a waste of money for me. Aww. I couldn't even do it. Though. That's great. I didn't even do that. 
Oh, is it? Worth my, not worth my money. Mm. What is um, the what is the phobia of heights call again? Is it what is it like? Uh, is it acrophobia? Wait, let me Google this. Hold on. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. It is actually acrophobia. So that is okay. the extreme fear of 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 height. Height. Mm. That makes right. sense. Acrobatics mm-hmm. and all of that well, stuff. Yeah. Well, in case you guys are wondering if we missed anything, um, obsessive compulsive disorder (OCD) and post-traumatic stress disorder uh, (PTSD) are no longer classified as anxiety disorder. OCD OCD is classified now as obsessive compulsive and related disorders, and PTSD has been reclassified as trauma or stressor-related disorders. Let's quickly recap the different types of anxiety with the lightning round. The common types of anxiety that we talked about today, first, generalized anxiety disorder, second, phobias, there are three. We'll discuss specific phobias, social phobia, otherwise known as social anxiety disorder, and agoraphobia in this category, and third, panic disorder. In terms of similarities, it is important to realize that they are characterized as disorders where the avoidance of triggers occurs to prevent anxiety and accompanying symptoms. Disorders affect lifestyle and daily living, job performance, personal relationships, and schoolwork. All anxieties exhibit both psychological and physiological components. Some differences. General anxiety disorder includes persistent and excessive worrying around everyday activities such as job responsibilities, family health, or minor issues such as chores, appointments, or general errands. Phobias include specific phobias, which is fear of specific things like needles, blood, heights, or spiders, for example. Social phobia is fear of being judged by others. And agoraphobia is fear of not being able to escape in a social situation, such as being on a bus, an elevator, or in a line. It is common for other anxiety disorders to have panic attacks, and this is not panic disorder. For example, people with a phobia for needles might have a panic attack when they see a needle. But in this case, the panic attack is expected, and the person is afraid of the needle, not the panic attack. In panic disorder, the panic attacks are unexpected and unpredictable. In other words, recurrent panic episodes that come on suddenly and spontaneously. You exhibit maladaptive behavior to avoid getting another panic attack due to fear of something bad happening. For example, you may fear that attack is a heart attack or that you are dying. Here's a case study for you. We have Bob, a retired chemical engineer. When he feels anxious, he would have to stick his head out of an open window just to feel better, regardless of how cold it was outside. As he feels a sense that the walls are caving in and the need to get air to relieve his sense of discomfort. His symptoms sometimes occur during the night and awaken him from sound sleep. It usually takes at least 20 minutes for him to feel better and up to a full day to resolve. This is just an example of how anxiety can be a disruption to your life and also can lead to negative health consequences. Well, Alberta winter is not something to be taken lightly. That alone sounds like a panic attack. Yeah. We know that excessive anxiety can decrease your happiness and lead to worsening of other mental and physical conditions such as depression, heart digestive, and bowel problems, substance misuse, headaches, and chronic pain, trouble sleeping, and just an overall poor quality of life. That's true. Anxiety can interfere with your ability to fall or stay asleep. Adults typically need seven to nine hours of sleep every night. Sleeping disorders can lead to anxiety, but anxiety can lead to sleeping disorders. It's catch-22. You need to talk to your doctor to determine the underlying causes. I don't like those catch-22. Like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Makes my brain hurt, actually. But 
Back to what you were saying, the good thing is even severe cases of anxiety can be treated effectively with both trick and non-trick measure. But unfortunately, there's still such a stigma attached to it that it prevents so many people from going to see a doctor to get diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And since there's no way to predict for certain what will cause someone to develop an anxiety disorder, it's important that people with anxiety take action to reduce the impact of how it affects their life. If you feel like you're worrying too much and it's difficult to control and your anxiety is interfering with your life, make sure you see a doctor. A referral to a psychologist might be helpful as well. Yeah, you definitely need to go um, see a doctor if you have other mental health concerns along with anxiety or you think your anxiety could be linked to a physical health problem. Uh, For our listener, if you feel that your anxiety may not go away and may get worse, Please get help early. Um, The longer you wait, the harder it is to treat. Since our listeners are tuning in from all over the world, tap into your local resources by Googling mental health and social work programs, calling your regional health authority, and calling distress lines if needed. More importantly, it's important to just reach out. Talk to your friends, family, significant other, neighbors, colleagues at work, Go to someone you trust. Have you two felt some corona anxiety during the pandemic? Well, I think so. It's just um, difficult to know what kind of decisions to make. Like, you know, if someone, if a friend calls you up and says you they haven't seen you for a long time and asks you to hang out, then it's kind of all these worries. You're like, well, we shouldn't be going out to eat. You know, what if I get COVID and bring it back home or to work? You know, what are some things that we can do that are still socially distant but fun, things like that. What about you, Anne? You know, I'm very lucky. I actually, like, I don't really feel any anxiety at this point. That's um, good. Knock on wood, hopefully that doesn't change. But at this point right now, I'm just quite hopeful that hopefully there's going to be a vaccine coming out next year, like Trump say. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you, Valerie? Um, I think I'm more with Cecilia's take on things. and. Mm-hmm. I- Again, I think it's very normal what we're experiencing because I I don't have a disruption in my lifestyle, my ability to function or concentrate per se. So I, I wouldn't label it as a disorder. So mm-hmm. I think it's anxiety that's um, that's normal because of this extremely odd once in a lifetime, hopefully once in a lifetime situation that we're all facing. So I, I'm not too concerned about it, even though there is that bit of anxiety about uh, catching COVID and all that stuff. But um you know, I'm a homebody at heart, so uh, nothing <laughs> nothing to worry about there. Ah, okay. Well, yeah, that's true. Life can give us a lot of things to be anxious about. But look on the brighter side. You're not the only person on Earth who's inflicted with pain. Correct. And no single person goes through life without worries. Know that you are not alone. Millions of people go through stress on a daily basis. And I think those that are affected with anxiety disorders sometimes do not really see it as an issue, or maybe they're ashamed or embarrassed by it. Maybe they simply don't want to burden others with their problem. But always remember, there are people in this world who care about you. People are more willing to listen to your concerns than you think. Yeah, it is definitely more stressful to have to deal with stress on your own. It is important to have support, so it's important to stay connected to your social network that you have people you feel comfortable talking to and comfortable enough to share your truth. The key is to not nurture your worries and turn them into fears. 
It's important that you don't let your anxiety steal your life. This is your life. It's time that you stop letting excessive worrying waste the good years of your life. Don't let excessive worrying consume you and prevent you from being happy. And to do that, your behavior has to change first before emotions and thoughts can change. Yes. Think of your anxiety as enemies on a battlefield and find the courage to take action. Otherwise, you're letting your enemies win. Don't let the unwelcome and unwanted thoughts consume your mind. So take that leap of faith and make changes to your life. And like Steve Jobs said, you just have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. I highly recommend the book How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie. It might be a long read and the example may be a little outdated, but I think it's still relevant today. And I guarantee that this book will change your life like it did to mine. Well, and I'm glad it changed your life, but I think it's pronounced Carnegie. I oh. agree. Oh, I don't know who okay. Dale Carnegie is. <laughs> okay. Well, moving on. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this is the end of our episode then. So just as a reminder, today we covered the difference between anxiety and anxiety disorders, the different types of anxiety disorders, and the importance of knowing that you're not alone and to reach out when needed. Since you now understand anxiety better, and if you think you're experiencing anxiety disorder, we hope that this helps you take action to regain control of your life. Tune in next week as we discuss self-care and things you can do to help reduce stress. Are you new to the It Is Better To Know podcast? If so, we want to thank you for listening. We would love to get your feedback to help us get better. Please leave us a quick rating on your favorite app, or even better, leave a review and let everyone know what you think of this show. Be sure to tune in next Sunday as we explore other health-related topics. Bye for now. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. And stay curious, my beautiful friends. Curious Music is performed by Bonsai Mammo, written by Andrew Southwell and Jimmy Harry. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and should not be taken as medical advice. As every individual is unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. You got me.